The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Probably all of us have had a variety of different work experiences. Probably all of us have had jobs that were, you know, far from our dream jobs. Jobs where it was just like time absolutely stood still while we were at work. As soon as we left, you know, everything would just fly by. But while we were there, we we could not wait until our shift was over or until the boss would tell us that we could finally go home. And I don't know what it is like in your world and the place that you work and what it is you go to each day, but I'm, sh- I'm very certain that every single one of us, regardless of how different our, our work experiences may be, that every one of us have had a situation in our lives where we're, we're just doing the job that we have right now until we're waiting for a better job to come along or a job with the future or a job that pays more. And the interesting thing is, is when you bring all of those ideas and thoughts about what it is that we think and what it is that we experience when it comes to the subject of work, and yet when you open up the scriptures and you actually see what it is that God has to say to us on the subject of work from his perspective, what we find are, are, are a whole lot of ideas and thoughts that are very challenging. They're very different about, than what it is that we think and what it is that we experience when we think of the subject of work. And and one of the most unique is found actually right in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of of Genesis. And I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I always used to think of work in terms of something that was a, a punishment for sin. That, you know, before Adam and Eve sinned, it was like summer vacation all the time. But then Adam and Eve sinned, and God was like, okay, you sinned, so now you have to go to work, right? That's your punishment. But the truth is actually the exact opposite of that. The Bible tells us that when the world was perfect, and when God had everything exactly the way that he wanted it, the very first thing he actually gives to man is the responsibility to work. Now I want you to see this for yourselves. This is from Genesis chapter 2. It says this, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And again, all of this happens before sin ever even enters into our world. And when you read through this section of Scripture, you very quickly come to find that this is something God's actually really excited about. That that God's kind of thinking, okay, I've got the stars, you know, they're all out there, they're exactly where I want them to be, and over here I've got earth. And and I've got the water, I've got the land, I've got the birds, the fish, the, the plants, everything's in its place. And see, right over here, this is the spot where I've got my prized creation. This is the part where, I, where I've got the, the part of my creation that's actually made in my image. And look at him go. He's working in the garden. And yet, see, the truth is that same sense of anticipation, that same sense of, of excitement that we see from God's perspective, I mean, that's a far cry from what it is that many of us, what we experience in, in our world today when we go to work, isn't it? And that gap, see that gap between what it is that God thinks is most important about work and and what it is that we think is most important about work, that gap is what we're going to spend the next several weeks talking about together. 
Because if God loves us, and God loves it when we work, as this scripture helps us to understand, then what is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not experiencing in terms of our work life? What is it that we're not experiencing in the course of our world today? I mean, clearly there's some kind of a disconnect between what it is that that has occurred, what's most important to us, and what's most important to God. See, what's important, most important to me is really easy. It, it, it's how much and where, right? I mean, that's what's most important to us when we think about work. But yet, from God's perspective, what we find is that what's most important to God is how am I doing whatever it is that I'm doing right now? And the truth is, that's difficult, isn't it? Because that same, that same sense of frustration and, and, and we and, and and difficulty that we have many times in our own job, it's the same thing that we think of when we look at Adam and Eve's situation in the garden. We think, really, God? You just want them to work in the garden? I mean, couldn't you have come up with something a little bit more interesting, God? Couldn't you have come up with something a little bit more significant for them to do? Maybe that's the same feeling you actually have about your job right now. You look at your job and you think to yourself, my job's not important. My, my job's not interesting. My job's not significant in any way. In fact, maybe you even think to yourself, not only is my job not important, but if my entire company, if it were to simply vanish tomorrow, nobody would even have a clue that it's gone. Nobody would miss anything about it. Do you feel like what it is that you do for 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week, like it's not important and it doesn't matter to anyone? And see, the truth is, for all of us, regardless of the job that we do, the truth is there is a certain amount of futility in whatever our job happens to be. And there is something inside each and every one of us that at some point just wants to look at God and say, God, really, is, is, this, is this all that you've got for me? And a big part of the reason why we feel that way and a big part of the reason why, why we experience that is because the, the way that we evaluate the significance of our work is just so tremendously different than the way that God actually evaluates the significance of our work. See, we just naturally look at the task, but God is looking at something else entirely. Take out your Bibles, open them up to Colossians chapter 3. Now, if you're using one of the Bibles in the seat back in front of you, then this begins on page 1,835. And what's really important for us to understand as we begin this subject together this day in this series this weekend, as we look at this text, it's critical that we understand the context within which this is actually written. Because the letter of Colossians is actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians who were living in a city called Colossae, which is actually inside of what we would think of as modern-day Turkey. And, and what he's doing throughout this letter is he, he starts out by telling us as Christians how it is that we are to live and how it is that we are to act in general. And then from there, he starts to get more specific, and he talks about our families and how our families should operate. And then in this part of his letter, he actually begins to address how it is that we should function in the places that we work. But the first group of people that he speaks to are not people like you and me who have jobs and careers. It's actually a group of slaves. Now, 
if you were writing a letter to a group of slaves in the first century, what would you say to them? I mean, the truth is, you'd probably say to them the very same thing that I would, which is basically run, right? I mean, do whatever it is you need to do to, to not be a slave anymore. Do whatever it is you need to do to be free, to escape somehow. But that's not what the Apostle Paul writes. Instead, what he says is, slaves, I want you to be really great slaves. I want you to be the best slave you can possibly be. I don't want you to just simply do what your master asks of you. I actually want you to do more than he would ever expect of you. And then a little bit later on in the same scripture, in the same text, the Apostle Paul actually writes to the masters. And again, what would you write to a first century slave owner? Basically, what's wrong with you, right? I mean, what makes you think that you actually have the right to try to own another human being, right? But again, that is not what the Apostle Paul says. Instead, he says, Masters, I want you to actually be fair to your slaves. And not only do I want you to be fair to them, I actually want you to, to do what's right for them. And we're going to take it a step farther. He says, I want you to provide for them. And so the Apostle Paul says to slaves, if you're a slave, be a really great slave. And if you're a master, be a great master. And then in between those two huge extremes, he actually speaks to every single one of us. Because the truth is, some of you here today, you, you're, you're, you're a boss, but you're not quite a master. And on the other extreme, some of you here today, you feel like you are just a couple inches short of being someone else's slave. And it's in between those two extremes the Apostle Paul actually speaks to every single one of us beginning in verse 23 when he says this. He says, whatever you do. So in other words, this doesn't begin after you get your dream job. He says this doesn't begin you know, after you get the promotion or after you, you, you get that transfer it doesn't begin after you start your own business, he says. It is in your current job right now. Even if what you are doing today is not what you hope to be doing five years from now. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Now again, when we hear that, there is something inside every single one of us that wants to say, God, really? Why do you want me to do that? I mean, God, look at what it is that I do. I mean, why do I actually need to put my heart into that? I can, I can put my heart into my family. God, I can put my heart into my church. I can put my heart into my relationships, my friendships, my marriage. I, I, I can put my heart into all those things, God. But God, look at what it is that, you, that, I, that I do each day. I mean, why do you want me to put my heart into that? The, the person I work for, God, they don't even put their heart into their job. So why in the world should I, with the way that they treat me? God, why would you want me to put my heart into something where the people above me, they couldn't care less what happens to me? You've got to be crazy, God. Look at what I do. God, look at who it is that I work for. Really, God, you want me to put my heart, whatever it is that I do, wherever it is that I am, as insignificant as I may be, and as short-term as this may be, God, you really want me to put my heart into that? 
And then in the very next statement, the Apostle Paul, he actually gives us the why behind what it is that he just said to us. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. In other words, he says on Monday morning, tomorrow morning, when your alarm clock goes off and you get up and you get ready to go to work or to school or to class or wherever it is that you go, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to go there with the attitude that you are working for, you are doing whatever it is that you do for Jesus himself. Now, doing your job for the Lord? I mean, what would that look like? I mean, see, the truth is we all know what it looks like to work for another person, right? I mean, you wait until the boss goes home, and then as soon as they leave, then you can take off. Or if you want to sneak out early one day, what you do is, is, is you make sure that you leave a light on on your desk or maybe over your cube so it just looks like you went to the bathroom for a little bit. Or perhaps you leave your glasses sitting out on your desk so it looks like you just stepped away, but you know you're going to come back later. See, the truth is we all know what it looks like to actually work for another person. I mean, we're, we're experts in that. For many of us, we've been doing that for our entire lives. But the Apostle Paul says to us, to all of us, as followers of Jesus, see, when we, when we go to work, and this is the hard part, because he says this to us regardless of what it is that, that any of us actually does each day. He says, when we go to work, we are to work with all of our heart. Just as we would as if we were working for Jesus himself. What would that actually look like for you in your world? He goes on in verse 24. Since you know, he says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. An inheritance that isn't based on a resume. I mean, it's not based on a commission. It's not based on a pay grade. It's not based on the, on the value that you bring to your company. Instead, it's an inheritance that's actually based on the value that you have in the eyes of your Heavenly Father. An inheritance that isn't based on the work that you do, but instead that's based on the work that Jesus has already done for you. See, all of a sudden we begin to understand how it is the Apostle Paul could actually say any of this to us and actually keep a straight face at the same time. It's because as Christians, see, as Christians, he says, you already know. As Christians, you already know that your Heavenly Father, He cares about every single part of your life. And just as Jesus died to pay for the sin in every single part of your life, that new life that He gives to you, the new life that He gives to me, that new life is to be lived out in every single part of our lives as well. That God isn't just interested in my marriage. And he isn't just interested in how I raise my kids or how I treat my family. That God isn't just interested in how I handle my morality or my finances. That God is actually interested in. That God cares about. And God has redeemed every single part 
of your entire life. And although your company may only care about what it is that you've done for them lately, see, that is not how your Heavenly Father thinks about any of you. That God does not compartmentalize when it comes to dealing with our sin, and so he calls on each of us not to compartmentalize when it comes to living out that new life that he's given to each of us. And so the Apostle Paul says to all of us, you know, I, I don't want you to be deceived thinking that what happens at work is just between you and your boss, or just between you and your company, that is Christians. That is the people who actually carry the name of Jesus Christ in our world, that everything, every part of our lives is actually a testimony to God's faithfulness to us. And so consequently, God is very interested in how it is that we spend our 40, 50, or 60 hours a week doing our work. And that faithfulness in our work is actually faithfulness to our Heavenly Father. And from God's perspective, what it is that you do each day is not nearly as important as how you do it. Because the significance of your work is not found in the details of your job. It's found in your willingness to, to put your whole heart into whatever it is that God has brought before you and laid before you right now. And again, the reason why all of us struggle with this so much is because we're just naturally focused on the what and the where. But see, God's attention is on the how. And just in case we're still kind of arguing with the Apostle Paul about what it is that he said to us, in case we're still kind of having that mental argument with him, he comes out right at the end of verse 24, and he says it very plainly. He says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. That just as you serve him in all those other areas of your life, in your marriage and in your family, with your finances, with your morality in your relationships, he says that ultimately he is the one that each and every one of us serve in our work as well. Now for many of us, for many of us that is a completely different way to think about what it is that we actually do every day, isn't it? So again, what would it look like for you? Tomorrow morning, 20 hours from now, what would it look like tomorrow for just one day you, you, you approached your job from the perspective of that whatever it is that you are doing today, I am doing with my whole heart, and I am doing it for my Lord and Savior himself. What would that look like for you? What would that look like in your world? Now, to help us think through this as we begin this series together, I want to share with you three statements. Because if, what, if we actually believe that what it is the Apostle Paul said to us is true, then these three statements would also be true. This will help us to kind of get our arms around this entire subject and think about how this actually uh, translates into our various lives and the jobs that we do every day. The first is this. Your work has eternal significance 
even if it appears to not have any eternal value. That regardless of what it is that you actually do, your work really does, in fact, have eternal significance. Now, the reason why this is so important is because I talk to people all the time who say things to me like, you know, if I were in ministry, or if I were a doctor, or if I were a teacher, or if I were a counselor, or if I were a nurse, you know, if if I did one of those things, then I would understand the value of what it is that I actually do every day. But, But all I do is make things. I mean, all I do is sell things. All I do is count money for people who make and sell things. So what I do every day, it doesn't matter. See, the truth is this. Every single thing that you do does, in fact, have eternal significance, whether it's at home or whether it's in the marketplace. Not necessarily because someone's eternity is at stake, although it may be, and we're going to actually talk about that in a few weeks, but simply because of the fact that the people who see us and the people who actually interact with us while we are on the job, they are seeing and they are interacting with a person who has been redeemed by Jesus Christ himself. And in the very same way that God does not compartmentalize his grace towards us, in that very same way, we don't compartmentalize our faithfulness in serving him. Second is this. How we perform at work is more important than where we work. Again, it is so natural for every single one of us to just be focused on the where. Because every single one of us, we know someone who's got a better job than we do, and we are always hearing stories about where the grass is supposedly greener someplace, right? And God certainly does not mind when we pray and when we ask him to send some of that our way. But see, the truth is, God is much more concerned about how it is that we are doing whatever it is he's called us to do right now than what it is we think we may end up doing for him one day if and when he decides to give a different opportunity to us. Third is this. How we perform at work is just as important as how we behave at work. Now, here's what I mean by that. Every once in a while, I'll I'll bump into somebody who takes a tremendous amount of pride in how much they actually talk to their coworkers about God, how much they talk to their coworkers about Jesus, but at the very same time, they feel like it's okay to slack off in terms of their performance because, you know, after all, who cares about this lousy job anyway? See, the truth is, poor workmanship is never balanced out by great character. And great character in no way makes up for poor workmanship. The Apostle Paul makes that abundantly clear to us in this passage. So again, what would be different for you? What would have to change if tomorrow morning you said, for today, just for today, not for the rest of the month, not even for the rest of the week, but for today, Whatever I do, I am doing with all of my heart for my Lord. What would be different? What would you start doing? What would you stop doing? 
what would change? Whatever you do, wherever God has called you at this time and for this season, and with all of your heart for your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, life at work. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, every single one of us, if we think about those two simple verses and the incredible, incredible truth that, that they convey to us. Father, it's very easy for us to be overwhelmed by that. And for all of us, regardless of where we, we find ourselves in that text, whether we, we find ourselves to be, to be more like the master or more like the slave, Father, I pray that for us personally, that your spirit would give us the wisdom that we need to know how it is to apply the truth of what it is that we read in your word. Father, it's my prayer that when we go to work, as those people who carry the name of your son, the name of our Savior, Father, it's my prayer that for all of us individually and as a congregation, that people would see Jesus in us. And Father, every single one of us here knows how difficult that, the truth of that is, that we are far from perfect, that we sin, that we do things that we wish we wouldn't do. And Father, into all of that, you still bring your grace. You still redeem us, you still love us, and you still forgive us. Father, my prayer for us as a congregation as we talk and as we think and as we live out this series together over these next several weeks, that you would use each and every one of us, whether it's at home, on a construction site, in an office or a school, wherever it is that we do our work each day, that you would use us to reflect just a little bit of the grace that we have received from you. And Father, we ask that you would hear us now as we personally and silently bring our sin and lay it at your feet. Jesus, your word tells us very plainly that when we confess our sin to you, that you are faithful and that you do forgive us and that while we were still sinners, it's into that moment that you actually come into our world for each one of us to die for our sin, to pay for our sin. And so as far as the east is from the west, that is how far you have removed our sin from us. And so we are truly forgiven, Jesus, in your name. Amen.